What happens to the over 19,000 foster youth who age out of foster care every year? You would hope that they have a support system to help them transition to independence, but unfortunately, that's not the case. The foster system really does struggle with doing a good job and making sure young people have what they need once they leave foster care. In comes Leah Angel Daniel from Fostering Greatness, Inc. She is from Buffalo, New York, and she created a nonprofit to support foster care alumni in Western New York to help them transition to adulthood. She's actually an alumnus of foster care herself, and she has been a caretaker of her siblings. So she has many different perspectives on how to support young people and their families in the foster care system. And she has a fascinating story. Her organization is changing the way people support older youth coming out of foster care. And she focuses a lot on housing and workforce development. Leah is a force and I'm so happy to also call her friend. I'm so glad she can join us on this episode of the Nonprofit Activator as she shares her startup journey for her nonprofit. So with that, welcome Leah to the podcast. Hey, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. Tell us about Fostering Greatness and what inspired you to start the organization. Well, Fostering Greatness, um, this basically grew bigger than what I ever expected it to be. Never Mm -hmm. thought I would be doing what I'm doing. Um, This nonprofit that started out as just program based. Mm -hmm. I just plan to do programs with those who are transitioning out of the foster care system going and presenting at independent living programs. But when the pandemic happened, a -hmm. lot of young adults were contacting me and they were like, listen, Miss Leah, we have nowhere to go. Our social workers aren't returning our phone calls. We're out here, you know, as they would say, doing a strange thing for a piece of change. (laughs) And, you know, they were in survival mode. So I took my own money and I was renting hotel rooms for them to have a place to stay. Um, sending DoorDash and Uber Eats for them to have some of the essentials they needed in food. And I said, you know, this housing is a huge issue. So it's bigger than what I thought it was. And so Mm -hmm. that where I began to um, go and and provide different things that was needed for the alumni population and for those who are transitioning out. And so more than just looking at what was on the surface, but diving down deeper and saying, we need some type of permanency for those who are going into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how the rest of Fostering Greatness was developed. So um, with providing more than just the basic needs, but, you know, things that they need in order to thrive, food, clothing, shelter, guidance, Mm -hmm. um, having a space where they know that it's for us by us, you know, where Mm -hmm. they're not going to be re-traumatized, being asked their same story over and over again, but a place where people understand um, some of the struggles that um, this particular population has faced and is willing to assist them in their journey, however old they are or whatever life they've come from. Right. And tell me a little bit more about like where the inspiration or where the vision came from for Fostering Greatness. Because I know, you know, we've talked, we obviously... Our friends, so I know about Fostering Greatness, but would love to hear the story of why even start an organization. Where did that come from? Right. Well, I grew up in the foster care system from the age of 11 until 21 when I aged out. I had mm-hmm. some phenomenal mentors that I met 
um, when I was a teenager and they were a godsend. They were the people who helped me change my perspective of the foster care system in the world and showed me how to turn a negative situation into a positive Mm -hmm. outcome. Mm -hmm. So um, I went to school for broadcasting and mass media. You know, I was on the road thinking I was going to be the next Oprah and um, went to school. Education was, you know, my way of advancing. And then I ended up um, just teaching English classes and courses and things like that. And when I was done with foster care, I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do anything pertaining mm-hmm. to that. Um, I ended up getting a job at Warner Brothers in Burbank, California. And I still had siblings who were in the foster care system. And Mm so um, some unfortunate events happened to one of my younger brothers. So that's how I ended up back here in Buffalo, New York, leaving my job, leaving my dreams behind so that I could take care of my siblings because I didn't want them to feel like they didn't have anybody. Mm -hmm. And so through the journey of um, raising my siblings, I learned how to advocate on another different level. Um, My one brother was legally blind. He Mm -hmm. um, had a lot of mental health issues and just really trying to get the things that he needed so that he could have a full life. I learned Mm -hmm. so many things. And then I thought to myself, how many young people are struggling out here, Right, are left behind and are forgotten? And they don't have anybody. They don't have older siblings. They don't have anybody to stand in the gap for them. And Mm -hmm. that's how fostering greatness was birthed because I knew that there was a need. And Mm -hmm. also it served as a purpose for my own healing, um, going through the foster care system. Um, I had some unfortunate, um, events that happen with foster parents, you know, just not being able to trust people and thinking about, Mm -hmm. you know, how people were just doing this for the money and really not sewing into the lives of young people. And so I wanted to do different. I wanted to show up and be different. And I wanted this particular population to know that there are alumni out there who have gone through certain things so that they don't have to, and that we're willing to um, stand in the gap for them to assist them on their journey of life too, in whatever way possible. Meaning Mm -hmm. that if you can only donate, if you can volunteer, if you can just be a mentor, whatever capacity that we have in place and that fostering greatness will serve as that hub for them to come to that specific place because there's nothing like it. I love that. I love that. Especially when you were talking about for us, by us, because speaking to you talking about not being able to trust people, that's really the experience of a lot of young people coming out of foster care. And it's hard to engage and connect with the provider and understanding that they really want the best for you. Sometimes that's the reason why, you know, some providers or some programs can't get through to some young people in the way that they want to. So I love that you saw that need, not just in your own family, but decided to bless other people and expand your impact. And I believe the time that's your calling. It's the time for you to be doing this and to stand in the gap for a lot of young people. So I know a lot of people may not understand the foster care system and they may not understand why it's so important to support young people who are aging out of foster care. Can you talk a little bit about why um, your organization matters? Like what would happen if it did not exist for young people? Well, there isn't an organization currently like Fostering Greatness, Inc. Um, A lot of the foster care or child welfare programs 
have um, an age differential. So a lot of programs stop either at the age of 18, 21, or 24, some mm -hmm. even to the age of 26. But when we think about this particular population, a lot of them have been exposed to trauma, abandonment, neglect. And mm -hmm. if anyone knows anything about the makeup of the adolescent brain, when a person has been exposed to these things, their brain doesn't fully develop in the time frame that we would expect, you know, just a regular adolescent to develop. So although these services may be available for them, they may be the, at the age of 21, but operating um, at the age of a 15 year old. So a mm -hmm. lot of them are unable to take advantage of the resources that are available. And also, um, it depends on what foster care agency um, they're connected to or they're enrolled in, because a lot of them don't all have the same services that are available. So mm -hmm. um, I recently found out that we have um, housing vouchers through HUD, through Section 8, but there are only two um, nonprofit organizations mm -hmm. that assist with foster care youth that are connected when we have many more than two here in Western New York. And so there's a full uh, population of young people who are not getting the resources they need in order to not become homeless. So mm -hmm. just really knowing about all of these different things and fostering greatness, again, serving as that particular hub where they can come and get the information they need before they're in a crisis moment, before they're, you know, um, couch surfing or, you know, out here um, being human sex trafficked or just, mm -hmm. you know, being in abusive situations because they feel like that's the only place that they have to go. So we're trying to reach them before they're in that situation so that they can have a little bit more leeway and really know what's available to them and for them. Mm hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your journey as a nonprofit founder, because I know you mentioned before you had no idea that the organization would grow this way. Yeah. But can you share how has that journey been as a founder? And you can be as honest as possible. And I know you're working <laughs> to become full time because this really is a passion for you. But talk a little bit about the journey to get started. This was just going to be a side gig for me. Like, again, just thinking about how I could just, you know, assist in a way where I could still, you know, move in my own career and then have this on the side. Um, when I realized, again, the need and the capacity um, that I would be needed, I had to make some decisions and it wasn't easy. Um, I felt like there was so much to learn. And growing up in the foster care system, I think a lot of us, especially African-American women, we mm -hmm. feel like we're already behind, like the things that we're learning or we should have learned in childhood or adolescence. Um, we feel like we're at a disadvantage. And I'm just speaking from uh, the population that I've encountered. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I wasn't equipped, you know, uh, to do the job, even though I was educated. Um, I felt like I just needed to learn how everything operated. And so that's when I sought you out and saw mm -hmm. all the things that you were doing. And it helped me to really dot all my I's and cross all my T's and ask the specific questions I needed to know specifically for this particular type of nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so because I was the first one doing something um, of this nature and going into a whole housing perspective Mm -hmm. that no one had touched. There was so much more I had to do 
on the outside and really trying to get partners. I always tell people, I don't want to do this work by myself. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I want to collaborate. I want to have partnerships. And so I had to uh, be uncomfortable in a lot of situations because, again, being vulnerable and saying, listen, I don't know how to do that, but I would like to learn. Or is Mm -hmm. there something you can connect me to? So it was a lot of self-work as far as um, self-education. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, all you need, all you need is your EIN number in a bank account. You can start your nonprofit. And there's so much more to that, like getting, yeah. you know, the best board. And um, what does that look like? How do you uh, get resources? Um, also, bookkeeping, CPAs, all of these different mm-hmm. things that are needed. And especially um, with a lot of, um, you know, uh, nonprofits that have um, BIPOC leaders, mm-hmm. we start out in a deficit. We don't have the foundational toolkit because we don't have the proper education of people guiding us on Mm -hmm. what's needed in order for us to be strong and have sustainability. So for me, it was just really doing the work and really learning along the way. And I was also connected to other uh, mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. So here in the city of Buffalo, the Oshai Leaders of Color, um, Mm -hmm. doing different things in the community, connecting with other nonprofit organizations and seeing, you know, what worked for them and what didn't. And um, just really focusing on relationships with people. So that's what really helped me um, to really move forward in what I was doing and sharing with people what I was trying to do and to know that this is the only organization doing this. So we may serve as the prototype for others to do this. So um, Mm -hmm. it was a huge calling. And let me tell you, Tiffany, I used to wake up out of my sleep thinking about this, having visions and knowing that this was something I was supposed to do. But it also scared me to death Mm. because I didn't have uh, people in my corner saying, yes, do this, do that. Other people were like, girl, leave that foster care stuff alone. Did you you grow now. Like, you uh, you need to move on and do something else. Or they say, you know, it's no money in nonprofit. So um, I wouldn't even do that. Or, you know, or why are you using your own money? Or why would you do that for them? And I had to remind people, if it was not for the people who stepped in the gap for me, I wouldn't be who I am today or where I am today. So wow. I just wanted to give back to the community that gave to me and do it to a point where it didn't hinder or disrupt my life, but I was doing it because I knew it was my purpose. I knew it was my calling. And as much as I fought it along the way, once I did what I was supposed to do, everything fell into place. Everything. Not to say that I didn't have hardships, but it wasn't to the point where I felt like I couldn't do it or, you know, those different type of things. I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And investment on my return, um, or the return on my investment, my ROI, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, was these young people, you know, getting the opportunity to see them flourish and to see them say, listen, like, I appreciate you and what you're doing. And even some young men from prison who were contacting me to see what could be done for them and saying, Miss Leah, if something like this had existed when I was out there, I don't think I would be in prison or be in the predicament that I'm in now. But from this point, is there anything that can be done? Because I grew up in this system and I felt like I had to sell drugs or I had to join a gang or I had to do all of these things because I didn't know any other way or have any other options. Hmm. that were available. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That is so powerful. I mean, you just said so many things, 
But I do want to highlight what you said about a calling. I think that's one thing that people don't realize about folks who are starting organizations with lived experience or organizations within the communities that they're serving. This is so much bigger than I want to start a nonprofit, right? Right. This is so much bigger than, oh, I just want to say I have an organization. And it's a different kind of motivation that keeps people going. And it's not often the money, right, or the fame or anything, notoriety or whatever you want to say about having organization. It really is a healing process for a lot of people. It can be a healing journey and it's something else driving them. And I think what people lose sight of is that those people would then do anything it takes to be successful because they know what's at stake. You do whatever is possible because you are so closely connected to the work. And I think a lot of misconceptions people have is that you don't want to know better or you don't want to do better, right? Or if you don't know something, it's because you haven't done enough or you haven't done the research. But I love how you're talking about how I want to do this right because I know if this organization exists, then it can help the people who didn't have anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is so powerful about what you're doing, especially in the foster care space, where a lot of people kind of know what's happening, but really aren't paying enough attention to this small group of people who really have a huge impact. It's relatively a small group of kids that are coming through the foster care system and aging out, but it's still, there's still, outcomes are still important for those right. kids. Right. And they really do impact every system, homelessness, education, mental health. We know we could go on and on about foster care, but I just want to say thank you for doing that work. And you shared so many powerful things about what it means to start. But is there anything else you want to share about one thing you wish people knew about starting a nonprofit? Yes. Um, Having a conversation means a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of times people will say, you know, I don't have all my ducks in a row or I don't have this or I don't have that, you can still have a conversation with someone to let them know what you're aspiring to do and being open and honest about where you feel you need extra assistance. Um, And there's a lot of people who will mentor and will guide you. So I just want to say, if you're starting or have started a nonprofit and you feel like um, you're underwater or you feel like you don't know everything you need to know, be open and honest about that, but know that you can still move forward with what you're doing. But again, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Reach out, educate yourself. There are a lot of free resources available. There are a lot of people who may invest in you and your vision and your mission for your nonprofit organization and partner with you and help you, you know, along the way. So I just want to say that because a lot of times we're told to keep everything in silence and do this and and don't launch out until you have everything together. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some nuts and bolts that you need to have set in place. So that, Mm -hmm. you know, when you audit it, you have all your stuff, right? (laughs) But you have all your paperwork together. But what I'm saying is in order to get the work done and in order to get the things that you need or have specific people on your board and talk about these things in the community, utilize your resources and the people that you're connected to. And so that's what um, I've learned through my journey. And a lot of people are saying, listen, um, such and such contacted me about foster care and I gave them your name and I did this and I did that. And then it grows into being something bigger. And so Mm -hmm. um, I'm only saying what I've experienced and um, it has been very beneficial. 
Yes, yes. I love that. So Leah is an amazing collaborator. She knows everybody in Buffalo. <laughs> and if I, if you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, I really do hope you take her advice to heart because it is those conversations and those connections that matter. And I'm curious, Leah, do you have like an interesting story or um, just an example of how fostering greatness has changed some someone's life? Yes. So recently, um, there is in a foundation that invested um, in Fostering Greatness, Inc. And they're in New York City. So um, they provided the opportunity for us to have um, a storyboard. So we were able to allow um, other alumni to come forward and speak about their experiences within the foster care system. Now, there's a lot of times people will look at me and they say, oh, you don't look like you've grown up in the foster mm-hmm. care system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, what does a person who who's grown up in the foster care system look like? You know, the mm-hmm. stereotype is that we're uneducated, mm-hmm. right? Um, we don't know how to speak proper, properly. Our clothes are torn, tattered or whatever. We look dirty and all of those misconceptions, right? Mm-hmm. And not saying that there are some young people who don't fall into that category, but the majority of us are thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't hear about our stories because no one asks. And there's a a part of shame and embarrassment that's associated with saying that you've grown up in the foster care system. And so I have met some phenomenal alumni who have some phenomenal stories, you know, about how they've come through so much and have become who they are today. And I wanted the, you know, just Western New York to be able to hear those stories. And so this particular um, foundation um, afforded us the opportunity to do that um, with the story lab and create forward. And we were able to have a panel um, of these young people from different walks of life who were um, from the age of 20 on to um, in their forties to talk about their experiences and, the people who showed up said, oh my goodness, like this was so needed and I didn't know. And I'm wondering how I can just be a part and what can I do? And so I think by having that event, it opened the door. So people aren't just listening to me and my story, but they're really seeing how detrimental these services and things are for this particular population. And not only for those who have aged out, but even for those who are currently in the system, because we're living in a different type of world today. And there's a lot of hopelessness and there's a lot of, you know, just young people who just feel like no one cares about them. No one wants to listen. And so we want to change the narrative. And so that's one of the biggest things that I've gone with for this year. That's been, you know, my quote, changing the narrative and really turning a negative situation into a positive outcome. We've all experienced some form of trauma. You know, we've all experienced some form of disappointment. That's how I try to make the connection because a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I didn't grow up in foster care. So, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. not a part of this. This isn't a part of my life. But I tell people, you know, giving them examples of how they've, felt like they didn't have anybody at a certain point in their Mm -hmm. life, you know, Mm -hmm. or how they've experienced some form of disappointment and um, really getting them to reflect on certain points in their lives when they were adolescents and thinking that when you were 18 or 21, did you feel like you were equipped enough 
to be on your own, to make appropriate decisions and choices. Yeah, yeah that's real. And would you have been able to do that without any support system? And some mm-hmm. of them were like, oh my goodness, no, I was still living with my parents until I was 30. And I'm like, listen, a lot of young people don't have that option. Yep. Or seeing your parents suffer from mental health or addiction and you can't do anything about it. Mm. So we talk about real life things. And so when I think about the population of so many of us who have made it and being able to share those antidotes, being able to share their life and lived experiences with those who are currently going through, that's the biggest thing right there for me. Um, Seeing that and seeing these lives transformed, not only just the young people who are in care or even young people in general, but even adults who are like, listen, like this changed my life. And so just being able to do more community conversations and having dialogue between even those who currently are foster parents and they have the children and not really knowing what to do. Because mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, yes, I had custody of my siblings, but my one brother told me, he said, Leah, you did everything you could do. I just wanted my mom and dad. So wow. how do you how do you explain that? What do you do next? You're right. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. if we build community amongst each other and assist each other and love on each other and give each other grace and say, it's okay and say, we can get through this together, then I think things would be a lot better, you know, for the system in general, you know, or just saying, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. You know, I ended up getting custody of my, my brother, sister, or kids or whomever kids. Mm-hmm. And I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do, but I'm not equipped and I need the resources and I need the village to help me to get to where I need to be. And that's what fostering greatness is about too. Oof. Mic drop. <laughs> we could just end it right here. <laughs> but I do want to ask, because you're doing such amazing work, and I've seen this up close and personal, so I'm very aware of the power of Leah's voice, the power of Leah's story, and just the programs that she has in place. But I'm curious, Leah, I want you to talk about something your nonprofit needs right now, because we want to mm-hmm. give the audience we want to activate the audience to be able to sow into you like you sow into these young people. Mm-hmm. So can mm-hmm. you talk about what, what is something you need right now? Well, let me bring out my Rolodex. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> um, right now we're running a campaign, a national campaign to assist with our housing project. And so we need donations. And when I say donations, it could be monetary Um, It could be um, new things for the young people who are currently aging out, meaning um, housing items, um, gift cards, just different things that they need assistance with. But with the housing campaign, we're currently working on providing units um, for those who are coming from the mother baby program and father baby program here in the city of Buffalo home space. So we're providing housing apartments for them. And so we want them to come fully furnished and we want to be able to assist them with just being able to focus on thriving, right? Mm -hmm. Having the necessities they need, food, clothing, shelter, and a support. Also, um, time, talent, and treasure, right? If you're an alumni or you're someone who knows something about the foster care system and you're willing to provide your time to assist us with 
helping build out these apartments or coming here to speak with the young people or just giving some type of guidance or mentorship. That would be very helpful. We also um, accept any type of small donation. So if you're not able to give to the um, housing campaign in order to help us build, consider just doing some membership um, of sending a certain amount each month um, Mm -hmm. to our donation link. And just dialogue with us. You know, we're on all social media platforms, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Please just, you know, provide any type of assistance you can. Or if you know somebody that knows somebody. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Looking to invest um, in young people's lives and adults' lives or just has a story to tell. We're accepting on all levels. So um, that's where we are because we look at everything as valuable. Again, time, talent, and treasure. Um, Anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. And we have a link here um, and you can donate there to our gift box. So that would be very helpful. Y'all heard it here. So Leah is running a housing campaign, and this is an opportunity where you can be activated to do something good, where you can invest and pour into a young person's life and imagine what wouldn't be here if someone hadn't mentored and uh, poured into Leah's life. And so she's just returning the favor, right? She's just doing what was done for her and your support can make that possible. So if you'd like to donate any amount to make a difference for young people in Western New York. If you're watching this live or watching this on a video, you can go to givebox.com slash fostering greatness Inc. And also the link will be in the show notes for those who are listening later. And I really do hope you consider supporting this effort. Foster care is a passion of mine as well. And I really do believe that if we pay attention to the young people in foster care, our society as a whole will be so much better. They're such a vulnerable, but important and powerful population that often gets ignored. So thank you again, Leah, for supporting them. And I just have a couple more questions for you. What is, or what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a nonprofit founder like you? I would say Write the vision and make it plain. Mm. People will try to steer you away from what you know you are called to do and come up with all different types of um, ways you should go. But stay with the vision that you have, that you know that's in your heart and in your purpose. Um, Connect to other organizations or with other organizations who are doing something similar as yourself. They don't have to be in the same city or state but connect with them, Um, join groups um, like nonprofit groups or other startup groups and stay connected, go to conferences, meet new people Mm -hmm. and keep a presence on social media. You never know who's watching or looking for you and look for organizations that assist um, nonprofit organizations with free services that are available. One year we received free marketing um, just due to our mission and vision for foster care youth. And it was a tremendous help um, Mm -hmm. because it was just me at the time, you know, and so I couldn't keep up with writing grants, um, building the board, 
keeping up with social media, full-time job, wife, mother, mm-hmm. working on my dissertation. It was just too much, you know, so any little bit helps. And so um, there are a lot of resources available. And again, um, Tiffany has a lot of resources on her social media um, and different things like that. So it was very helpful and to just be in conversation with other um, startup nonprofits. Yes, y'all. Listen, take notes, absorb, because that was very, very good information for startup founders. So let's end on a positive or or a funny note. If your nonprofit was a song, what would it be? So listen, y'all know I got to go with Jay-Z. So ambitious. (laughs) The motivation for me was them telling me what I could not be. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I know that's right. I know you had to give a nod to New York. I knew you had to do that. Yes. (laughs) Well, Leah, so where can people find you? I know you mentioned social media, but can you provide the, the handle so people can find you easily? Absolutely. So um, www.fosteringgreatnessinc, that's inc.org. And we are on Instagram, Twitter as Fostering Greatness Inc. Also, my personal page, Leah Angel Daniel on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and Google if you want to see some of the work that I've done um, so far and the mission that we're heading. And so, I hope to hear from you all. Awesome. Thank you, Leah. I hope you all check her out. This is the conclusion of another Nonprofit Activator podcast. Please be sure to listen as this episode is broadcasted all across the world. And we will see you at the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with someone who needs to hear some good news today. And don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the Nonprofit Activator podcast on all major podcast networks as we work to amplify all the great work that you need to know about. See you next time.